0: Welcome to the audio version of Talking Comic Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. It's the weekly live podcast covering everything Comic Con and all the surrounding fun and games in the world of pop culture. This is Season 4, Episode 40, recorded on Sunday, the 21st of May, 2017. And we're very lucky to be joined this week by your bona fide Comic Con celebrity, even if he's only been the once. But it was not attendance, caught on camera by Morgan Spurlock, for his Comic-Con of Fans Hope documentary. Artist Eric Henson joins us to talk about his experience filming the documentary, and where his journey has taken him since. Plus, all the news this week in the world of Comic-Con, this was a fun episode. We wouldn't be able to do what we do with Talking Comic-Con each week if it wasn't for our kind sponsors of our Patreon. Please follow and donate at patreon.com slash EnglishmanSDCC. Hello there. Welcome to Talking Comic-Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. My name is Leonard Sultana, and each and every week we talk San Diego Comic-Con, comic culture and all the bits and pieces that surround it and the things that we see at such events. We are, I believe, nine, just over nine weeks away from San Diego Comic-Con 2017. It's getting closer and closer. People are starting to pack at this point, which is just baffling for me. Because I have a penis. Uh, women, however, they're packing like nobody's business. They're just getting really involved. They're doing printouts and organizing and spreadsheets. Blokes are going, yeah, we got, we got two months yet. We're fine. We're okay. No worries. Don't worry about it. Um, lots to talk about this week because obviously we have a load of stuff when it comes to Comic-Con news. Uh, so we're going to talk about that very soon, indeed. Uh, first and foremost, though, we'll do our introduction to our guests for today. We have my regular partner in crime. We have Alyssa Franks joining us. Hello, Alyssa. How are you?
1: That just completely baffled me how you generalised half of the world's population.
2: <laughs> I,
0: I, I, I'm
1: like, what? Okay. what? <laughs> I'm,
0: I may have generalised, but I, generalized pop, I, I did it in a good way because you're organised. You, you, You're the ones that make sure that we wipe our backsides and get things done. You're the ones that hold it all together. We we're, we're the we're the weak link.
1: We're the weak link around here. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. All I'm going to say is thank God there has been nothing major that happened this week. I I really appreciate um no ticket sales, uh no NYCC ticket sales, no Funko Friday ticket sales, no no hotels. Oh, and you know that actually showed. Um, on I think it was like 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 on Wednesday or Thursday we had the amount of people on my website just kind of dropped as everybody just took some time to do deal with their own stuff like laundry, Breathe,
0: yes. re- re- relax, just come <laughs> up. yeah, yeah. I mean, it has been for the last couple of weeks particularly mental i mean admittedly with the hotel apocalypse we are still seeing some remnants of that there are still rooms available very much out in the not in the sticks as it were but they are still there i mean you can still get um beds uh for san diego but that whole issue with downtown and the wait lists and the extended sales it yeah it got very very insane for for a while and then of course your your badge sales and new york city comic-con yeah it's good for this week to just dial back, although there has still been uh, plenty that's been announced. I appreciate that. Uh, What has been talked about on the forum this week?
1: Um, We're talking about the upfronts for television next fall. Um, They just had a a whole big thing in New York City uh, about with the upfronts with a lot of stars there. Um, We're, uh, you know, trying to to coordinate for Funko Fundays, the people who were lucky enough to get tickets, and the people who are not are – trying to be plus ones. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's something that we could talk about in the, the show a little bit later about the news of the week, but we can just cover very quickly uh, Funko Fundays. Uh, this is how it went. Tickets are now on sale. Tickets are now sold out. There you go. That's, that's, that's pretty much how it went. Um, so, you know, that's, 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 that we don't need to talk about it anymore. Uh, that's pretty much exactly how it went. It sold out instantly. It was uh, remarkable. Okay, so um, we'll talk about, obviously, the other headlines uh, in a a bit. But thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us, Alyssa. But uh, this is where I now uh, introduce our uh, featured guest for this week, uh, Eric Henson. Hello there, Eric. How are you? Um, well, how are you doing? It's an honor um, to be on. I appreciate it. It's it, uh, The pleasure is all ours. Thank you so much indeed. Uh, for those who don't recognize Eric, uh, perhaps you haven't seen uh, Comic-Con of Fans Hope, uh, which was the documentary that was filmed at San Diego Comic-Con in 2010. And I believe it came out, was it
3: 2011, 2012? Was it the year 20, after? It came out in 2011 in theaters. I think the DVD hit, I'm not sure what time of the year, but it, it might have hit in, in 2012.
0: Yeah, and uh, Eric was uh, one of the featured... Uh, now, I'm going to say characters, and I'm going to explain why I, I, I am that. a character, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the reason why I say that is because there's definitely a narrative that the director, Morgan Spurlock, put together for the documentary. Um, well, first things first, I think we'll talk about um, how you got involved in the
3: documentary in the first place. How did you hear about uh, getting uh, involved in it? You know, it was... Not actually something I went out to pursue uh, that I even heard about. I, I registered. Look, I was I was trying to sell my art. I was a terrible, terrible case of trying to be validated and trying to figure out if I had the chops to do it at all. So I joined a website called Comic Art Fans, where you know people who don't know any better hire you to do uh, commission art because uh, they think you draw Spider Man or something. So I got on there, and I think the 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 moderator or the owner of that site, his name is Terry, and he sent out an email that, uh, Morgan Spurlock was trying to cast a film about Comic-Con or comic book artists trying to break into the business. So I think what it was, I I can't totally remember. I think I clicked on the, the email and it basically said shoot a short video of yourself saying why you want to become a comic book artist and just send it in. So I just sent it in and, uh, next thing you know, I I was, I was was going to ask you about that little video actually. What was, what was the video like? What were the video? what, what What did you say? Oh, thanks for bringing up painful memories. Uh, the video was me in, in United States Air Force uniform because I was and still am active duty, uh, U.S. Air Force. Uh, standing there talking about how I'd be willing to give up everything, pints of blood, uh, you know, whatever, my career, uh, that I current, that I had at the time, you know, I'd give it all up to be able to do comics full time. And, uh, I, I only thing I really remember from that video is, uh, how cheesy it was. And how many times my wife made me reshoot it? I think we probably shot the thing probably 90 times, and she was like, "Your right hand should be two inches lower." You know, you know, she was very precise about it. But without her diligence, I probably wouldn't have gotten selected. So I'm grateful. See, see what I'm saying? You see what I said at the beginning? They, they're <laughs> the one.
0: They are the glue, man.
3: They hold it yeah. together. Absolutely.
0: Cool. Okay. So um, you sent the video in and I mean, who, did, who contacted you first? Was it
3: direct from Morgan or was it from um, the, the production company? Well, Morgan called me directly. Wow. He called me on the phone um, and I was in the store, I think, buying uniform items. And he called me and at first I thought it was a prank call, you know, because why would Morgan Spurlock call me? I had nothing to do with McDonald's or supersize me. So I thought it had to be a prank of some kind. Uh but it was legit, and uh, he started explaining to me that they wanted to cast me. They looked at other people's uh portfolios and websites who were unpublished, and they they were interested in my story so immediately I said yes, but of course, being in the Air Force, my yes is not the only yes that matters uh so the uh, Air Force's protocol office or public affairs i can't remember which had to contact the Hollywood office over there uh of the air force and they're the guys that approve, you know, people to go on Oprah and stuff like that and wear the uniform. So either they give you your approval, their approval and you can wear the uniform and represent the Air Force or they say no and you ha- have to go it alone and don't mention them. You can still do it. Uh, but man, that, that approval came very quickly and they were on the base shooting that next Monday. Wow.
0: So it really was a quick turnaround. I mean, it sounds like it, the, the whole thing, certainly when it, you watch the documentary, it mm-hmm. sounds like very much you getting swept up in a whirlwind because yeah. the, way, the way that the narrative of the the documentary comes across is that you, you're you coming into Comic-Con. I mean, it was your first trip to San Diego. Right. Like your first trip to San Diego Comic-Con. And the the, the narrative is that you're kind of blown away. Like, yeah, you're blown away. I mean, how much was that, uh,
3: the case uh, that first year? You know, I found out about that aspect of it same time you did. You know, we we shot over 90 hours of just me, constant interactions, interviews, you know, me going about the day to day, um, me going around the base. And, and the truth be told, it was kind of overwhelming, I think, not from the aspect of, oh, the city is overwhelming, and the experience is overwhelming. Keep in mind, at the time, I think I had been in the Air Force for ten almost ten years, so I had seen the world. I've, I've been overseas. I've been to the desert. Been in conflicts. That that wasn't overwhelming for me. Seeing large cities, seeing other countries. I was in Germany when the film came out. But what was overwhelming uh, was just a simple that small little piece of having people who do this for a living stare at your art and your art alone, and you're going to crash and burn, or you're going to, or you're going to, you know, float to the top and that was nervous, but that's a, that's a nerve-wracking part of any critique session in any forum anywhere. So that part they captured. Um, but like you said, they have a narrative they want to do uh, at the beginning of filming. There's a style guide; they kind of have to tell the stories. You know, I kind of figured there was going to be an artist who makes it and an artist who doesn't. Um, I just didn't know which one I was. So <laughs> that was I was I never knew how they were going to spend it. So there were shots where I'm like looking at big buildings and like, oh, this is amazing, and I'm calling my daughter on the phone. Uh, And in reality, I'm walking by the building and I just said, hey, man, that's a big building. And they're like, oh, walk back and say it again and this time call your daughter. So, yes, you kind of do play into the story that they want to tell.
0: Fair enough. I mean, that was another part of the documentary, which I think a number of people, when you talk about um, uh, Comic-Con and artists taking their art to uh, the convention, uh, because it's so big and because you have to be kind of like the brightest butterfly in right. the biggest melee going um was uh, how many of those um critique sessions did you actually uh, take part in i mean
3: how many of the the tables the review tables did you you take part in? one I did one really I actually was going to sign up to do a bunch of them i was actually I was in line at Disney. Um, and I was just swept away by all the people who were sitting next to me. And I I literally, they didn't show those portfolios mind bogglingly good. A lot of the people who had done it, the the ladies and gentlemen who were sitting next to me had done work for Marvel studios, the movie studios that had had comics that were out there already just trying to find another, uh, publisher and they were just seasoned and it's awesome. Uh, I, I literally just closed my portfolio when I started looking around. Uh, but I only did one, and I was kind of scared to do more because, I'll just be honest, after I got the one yes, I didn't want to hear what anybody else had to say because it would take me from the mountain down to the valley, and I didn't want to go. So even the producers, like the the the, the units that were shooting me, because Morgan obviously didn't shoot every single character, uh, the director who was like, hey, we kind of set up for you to go meet this guy and this guy or th- th- this company and this company. Don't you want to go see them? And I was like, no, nope, I'm good. Don't want to touch it. I'm great i don't, I don't want to be shown on camera getting told that my art is trash, so I'm good to go with what we got here. I'm just going to walk <laughs> around and look at cosplayers now. Fair enough. How long
0: had you been an artist at that point? I mean you say you've been in the in the forces for ten years
3: had you been from before that how long you um, well, I've been doing art since I was five years old, not comic book art. I was into fine art, you know I did uh photorealism painting uh traditional art, printmaking, photography, uh every every visual art probably I was trained for over nine years uh at kind of like a baby Juilliard type school. Um but I never did comics. No no no. That I started probably in about two thousand nine when I was deployed to the desert. And I had a lot of time just for reflection, had a lot of time to think. And I actually didn't grow up liking comic books. Uh what ha- what sparked the interest is when I was out in the desert, uh slightly prior to that, my father had passed down to me a collection of of comics. And it was, you know, Jim Starlin and Ron Lim, you know, uh, era Silver Surfer uh, from the 80s, the 80s run. And I started thumbing through them. And basically, I got online to see how much could I sell these bad boys for, because uh, I was only interested in what they could do for me uh, and monetarily. And I, I started thumbing through them and I was hooked. Well, you know, once you read a good one, you're stuck. Um, So I I, I read it and I I thought, you know, I I, I had no direction. You know, kind of. I know someone uh, very, very vaguely, Greg Capullo, uh, artist on Batman and and Spawn and the Creech. And and just like him, you know, he kind of tells a similar story where, where, you know, you had, I guess, no direction. Tom McFarlane kind of said the same thing back in the 90s. I knew I could draw, but I had no direction. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. So when I when I read that, I realized, look, I don't have enough money to make a movie. And nobody's going to throw a TV show on my lap, but I could produce a movie for the cost of a piece of paper and a pencil. And I could be the director. I could be the actors. I could be the cinematographer. I could do all of it. And uh, it was just a way to tell stories. So I think telling stories is what got me in. But this was the medium that seemed to be the best fit for my particular skill set. And so in the desert, I kind of reflected and uh, got encouraged by one of the guys out there and said, hey, if you want to do it, do it. Try it. And that's what I did. I mean, with the documentary, it's certainly one of the threads is that uh, with
0: yourself and chip it 's very much about the the, the, uh, the the comic producers and the other artists, the people that knew what they were uh, talking about, saying that you needed to find uh, a voice, and they definitely felt that you had a voice in your art. Uh, was that something that you knew going ahead going to San Diego that you had that in your back pocket that you had
3: that that's, you had a style uh, on on the paper absolutely not. I think my style was a guy trying to pretend like he knows what he's doing one thing one compliment that I did get off camera um from ken lashley who who did look at my work just kind of just as a friendly thing to do and uh, we actually went out to dinner with ken he's doing x men gold right now uh just came off of uh doing Superman doomed at d c He looked at my work and he said one thing I will tell you is that it's probably one of the better amateur portfolios I've ever seen. And he said, one thing I could say is that you are not trying to be this person or that person. Your style doesn't particularly look like anyone else's. So that was a great compliment to me. Now he went on to say that I need to work on tons of things and I was terrible in like every other area, but I was grateful for it because he was telling the truth. Uh, and so, no, I didn't, I didn't really know, you know, I, I just, all I did was I tried to, to duplicate what I had seen in comics not by direct copying, but just by principle alone. You know, it's really different from fine art. It's harder to learn how to draw a comic book than it is how to draw a person sitting in front of you. There's so many rules, feathering, you know, how to spot blacks, the interest of camera angle. It's far more similar to becoming uh, a cinematographer or a yeah. film director. And so yeah, I had to teach myself that and I, I felt completely lost, but I guess there was a slight spark in me that, uh, that was enough to carry me through that particular stage of, of doing what I love. So, I mean, who
0: was, who was it? The, um, the, uh, spotted you at San Diego? That, that so first year, was it?
3: it was a company uh, called arch enemy entertainment. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Head, head up by William Wilson. Tone Rodriguez was a big part of it. He was an artist on The Simpsons for a while. Uh, and William Wilson's, uh, he was the one who kind of said yes. And he, his biggest, uh, book at the time, I do believe was at Image Comics with uh, Tyrese Gibson, the book Mayhem. Uh, it was a short miniseries, uh, not something I think is that great. <laughs> but, uh, it was enough to impress me. Uh, and it was far more than I had done in comics at the time. So he said yes. He liked the stuff. He had all these projects that were, you know, kind of boiling in his head that he wanted to use me to work on in the end. It didn't, uh it didn't, I, I did work for them. I did some covers for them. I did uh four covers of a book called the diplomat, which in, ended up being released via USA today uh online. They have like a comic series they do. So I did the covers for that and I designed some characters for a series called big bad wolf that eventually did come out via Art enemy entertainment, but, None of my designs ended up being in the book because the artist had decided to do the uh, the story wanted to do his own designs. Uh, and then I did the cover for a book called A51, which is Area 51, which it was actually a novel, not a comic, about this boy who finds a giant robot a la Iron Giant type story. But it was Left Here by Aliens, uh, written by Neil Herndon. So those are kind of the projects I did with them. But in the end, as far as the working relationship that was needed to work with Darch Enemy, I, I just wasn't ready. Uh, at the time, I wasn't ready. Uh, it, it required, you know, I was still in the Air Force, so tons of time needs to be dedicated to that. And uh, well, I just actually, wasn't able. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a question that's actually coming in on uh, the Q&A. Please, everybody, uh, if you do want a question uh, for Eric, do jump in. Do If there's anything you want to uh, put to him. Uh, Michael P. asks, uh, how do
3: you balance uh, the Air Force and your comic book work? Uh, the answer is sleep deprivation. Um, that is the honest answer. Uh, but number one is having a supporting family. Like my, my wife and children understand that when I come home from work, I'm going to work. Uh, and and you do have to, so, so this is what a lot of comic book artists do. And just, just from my personal experience, they have like a setup in part of the house or they rent a studio somewhere in town so they can focus and work. However, I approach it a little bit differently. The way I get the work done is I include my family. Uh, it to me is very important that I have an environment or a studio that has a couch, a place for them to sit. I don't want to be tucked away in some corner of the house where they never see me. I want them to be because I do this for them. I don't do this in spite of them. So I want them in the room with me. I constantly bounce things off of them and say, hey, is this terrible? Is this terrible? Uh, but the truth be told, there's only so much time in the day. So, you know, you come home from a full uh, day's work. And usually what I do is I dedicate that next few hours while my children are still awake. To spending time with them, eating with them. And then after they go to bed and the family kind of goes to sleep is when I sit in the dark and draw crazy pictures. How's you found that your art has evolved since the documentary?
0: I mean, you obviously had those very positive words at San Diego. How's, how did that fold
3: into your art? How did it evolve? Uh, you know pattern? what? What it did for me mostly is let me know that I belong. I mean, I initially went there to see, is this for me or not? And what it told me, even though I wasn't ready, that I do have a place. So once I knew I had a place, I started to try to hone it. Of course, I took everything. They didn't show in the movie, but I had this notebook, this little Batman notebook. And I would write down every critique I was given, every bit of advice I was given, who gave it to me. And I went back home and I tried to apply every single one. Great thing happened at the time. I didn't have to kind of re go through the process and talk to other comic book people. All um, I had already had a comic book uh, writer, Todd Dezago, who I kind of befriended online, and Craig Rousseau, is an artist who's been drawing at Marvel DC for over you know twenty years. Who I, I kind of I sent an email and said, "Hey, would you guys look at my stuff?" And they said, "You know, we can't offer you much, but we can give you a pin up in our book called The Brathepennots at Image Comics." So I did that, and I was so immediately I was plugged in. And I got to hear from a great writer, Todd, and a great artist, Craig, who had been doing this for years and years and years. And they poured into me too. So I went home and I, I applied it immediately to paying work, you know, or to, to publish work, not necessarily to work that, you know, I was hoping someone would look at and give me a shot. I was very blessed early on to get a shot right away, uh, and to be included in that. So I did that stuff. My, like my first real job was doing work in image. So that was, that was a great thing. So I got to learn mostly from you know, turning in pages, and the writer going, "That's terrible, don't do that," or "That's great, and uh, keep keep that up." Well, if you're going to start
0: small, you start
3: with image, I suppose.
0: Uh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's go back to the uh, the documentary and the way that that affected um, the, how you uh, worked. Um, I'm guessing that um, certainly when the film came out as well, when people started recognizing uh, your face, did that uh, act almost like <laughs> a calling card, perhaps? Well, you could just turn around and say, "Okay, you want to know about me? There's a DVD. There you go. I'm, I'm, I'm in this film. I this is what I've done. Oh, this is where I this is where I am at the moment. Was it like that?
3: That's a pretty good question. It it was actually hilarious. The connection between that movie and my life afterwards. So it kind of I'll give you an example. I was in Taco Bell in uh, Stuttgart, Germany, and I'm in Germany. So I'm not thinking that this movie has spread to that to that um, you know that area. So I'm in Taco Bell and this guy runs up to me and just starts pointing. And he's like, you're that guy, you're that guy from that movie. And uh, so it kept going like that. He's literally freaking out. And I'm, I'm just trying to get my family done with their burritos so we can get out of here and he could stop you know, freaking out. He's scaring my little children. But what that let me know is that, you know, people have been seeing it. So immediately after that, I realized I just, my name became that guy. So when I'm at comic conventions, people will walk by my table and then I'll see him walk by again, <laughs> and then walk by again, <laughs> and they're like, "I know this guy from some obscure place. Did he die on Doctor Who as a guest character? <laughs> like, did he wear? Did he have a crazy shirt in Star Trek and die after one?" They don't know where it's from, but it, so I have a little sign that says, "Yes, I'm that guy," and it has a picture of the Comic Con uh, DVD case. And so people come and they point to it. They go, "Oh, you're that guy!" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm that guy." And so I kind of embraced it that way. So the notoriety, you know, nobody knows my name, which is no different than before the movie, but at least they know something that I was a part of.
0: <laughs> what was the experience when the film came out? Because um, uh, I, I know that you went to the uh, Hollywood premiere. I saw a uh, scene yes. a couple of the red carpet uh, interviews. Um Because uh, I can imagine that was
3: also the first time you kind of met your castmates as well. Exactly. I had never met Skip. I had never met Holly or... or uh, Say Young or any of them before, during shooting. Uh, the closest came, I was in, I was at the portfolio review section and I, I caught a glimpse of Skip followed by a camera crew. And I'm like, is that the other guy? Is that him? He looks more like an artist than I do. He's no. got the fedora, he's got tattoos and a beard. I think he's going to beat me. So immediately I started like all this self doubt, Um you know, and, and so that was the only time glimpse I had seen of any of them. And then when I saw the movie for the first time was at the premiere. When I saw them was also the first time at the premiere. So it was, uh, it was all still new for me. I, like I said, I was in Europe. So I came to the States, uh, just for the premiere and ended up like leaving the next day. Um, so I got a chance to come home, which was rare at the time and I got a chance to see everybody. So it was, it was crazy. You had cosplayers out there dressed like Princess Leia and Star Wars folks wanted to take pictures of you for being in the movie. I, I met, uh, uh, Clark Craig. Which is great. You know, I got some pictures with him on my Facebook and other time, you know, after the premiere, he pulled me aside and said, Hey, you were great. And I'm like, I'm great. You're Agent Colson. What do you mean I'm great? And then he asked me for my business card. I'm like, he, I was like, you're asking me for a business card. You could just kick me in the face and take it. You're, you're Agent Colson. So I got to hang out with him and, uh, met, uh, a couple of great, you know, a lot of great stars who were there. And um, I just hung out with Joss Whedon for a while. Actually, the funny thing about the premiere, we were standing there taking those particular red carpet photos where they have the whole group there. And I was talking to Stan, I think Stan, for all the years of his work and how he changed, you know, kids' lives all over the world. Uh, there's not a country you can go where somebody doesn't own a pair of Spider-Man pajamas. So he's done a, gr- a great impact to the world. Um, but I was thanking him, and then uh, I kind of leaned over to Joss, and I said, hey, Joss. Avengers is going to be awesome because, it, you know, it hadn't come out yet. And he leaned next to me and he was like, I sure hope so. Like he was so nervous at the time. You know, a lot of people thought it was going to be so great, but he, he wasn't amongst those people. I guess the pressure of getting it done so quickly. And so afterwards, you know, we talked a little bit. He ended up taking he's actually the person when you see the picture online on Facebook of me and uh, Clark Craig. Uh, Joss Whedon is the one holding the camera, taking the nice. pictures. So instead of asking to take a picture with Joss Whedon, I asked Joss Whedon, "Hey, could you hold my camera and take a picture of this <laughs> of Clark Craig?" And he was just letting me have it the whole time. He was like, "I can't believe this, Clark. You're <laughs> terrible. I can't even direct you in a regular photograph. Hold your head up straight. Lift up your shoulders." You know, he was clowning them the whole time, but it was fun.
0: Cool. Um, with the do- when you saw the documentary, and I can imagine when you went in, you. You you were seeing these people on the red carpet. Yeah, you saw Skip, and you kind of, you you kind of Mm -hmm. knew who was in in the documentary with you. But Mm -hmm. then, when you watched it, and you realised that Morgan's created this structure and this narrative, I I can imagine you all kind of huddled together
3: afterwards and went, "Is that how it came across? (laughs) Is, is Is that how we were?" You know, I, I didn't, I, I spoke to them very little. I talked to Skip a little bit about maybe working on something together and kind of using the film as a springboard. Like here are the two artists from Comic Con that, that joined together. Uh, it never materialized. Um, Holly was, you know, really busy. Uh, we even tried to get together and go out to eat once or twice. It never panned out. Um, so I actually have had very little interaction with all of them, which you wouldn't think, you know, that we band together. I was, I was still, like, I think at the, at the premiere, I was sitting next to Robert Kirkman. Like, I don't even think we sat next to each other. I was sitting in, Robert Kirkman was in front of me. I think Tommy Davidson from, and Living Color was behind me. And I was so enamored with all that and, you know, Stan, come, Stanley coming up and talking. So when it was all said and done, I was glad that the narrative painted me in a positive light, that it seemed like such a success story. Uh, I was a little, just a little sad because I was there for the over 90 hours of footage that we shot. And of course, in your mind, and I imagine this goes on in actor's minds, and there's so much left on the cutting room floor that there wouldn't be enough DVDs to show everything. And there were some really great moments with some really good, I mean, I sat down with Jim Lee. I mean, I sat with Jim Lee and talked to Jim Lee as part of the film and they didn't, you know, they didn't put it in there. Um, So a lot, a lot of, I guess a lot of choices had to be made to fit everything in. So I, yeah, I was, I was a little, I was a little, shocked by how it all came across but I was still grateful like I saw my face on the big screen and it was only a third as horrible as I thought it would be. (laughs) I was going to ask about uh, the reaction because you were saying like say that your
0: wife did put you in front of that camera uh, for YouTube Um, when your
3: wife and your daughter saw the film what was their reaction? Uh, Well they saw it first on DVD they didn't go with me to the premiere Um, of course my wife was always supportive of me so in her, in her mind, it's just everybody else catching up with how, how awesome she already thinks the art is and, 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 what I do is. So she watched it and just, I guess was just very proud. And my daughter, she was so young at the time. I think she just was like, is that daddy? You know, you know, so she, but now as she watches it, she's 12 now. Uh, now as she watches it, she has like a, a much greater appreciation because she loves, you know, comic book characters and, and the whole nine. So she's all into that world. So it gives her, a great sense of being a part of it. And my son, I think he was a, a baby at the time and one of the frames. So he's kind of shocked like, Hey, I was on TV. So I think, I think they watch it and, and think more about the fact that they were in a movie, uh, than, than it is a focus on me. I mean, they see well, me every day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when was the last time you actually saw the,
0: the documentary?
3: Uh, probably about half a year ago, I watched it. Um, because what I end up doing is, you know, in my normal circles, You know, so a lot of people don't know about it. So if I, you know, after knowing them for like a year, I might mention it. You know, I don't, I don't walk up to be like, hi, my name's Eric Hinton. I was in a movie. You worked. (laughs) I don't do that because that's crazy. But when they find out about it, I'll recommend it to them. And I think it's on like Hulu now or or, or iTunes. So I'll say, Hey, just go give it a watch. And then they'll come back to me after seeing me for like a year and be like, can you sign this? (laughs) like, you ignored me yesterday. Today you want me to sign something. So I think I watched it again just to see, just to see what they were seeing, to refresh also, my memory. And also to see how it holds up as well. Yeah, it holds up. Imagine. It holds up pretty well. Now I can't yeah. look at the art that they showed. Man, you know, most artists are like that. I, I don't want to see the thing I drew yesterday because it's terrible. You know, I immediately kind of move on to the next piece. I want to be better. So I hate that when, the public did get a chance to see what my art looks like. That's what they saw. But you can't go back and worry about that. That's where I was at the time. It brought me to the point where I am now. I'm much more excited about the stuff I'm doing now. But, yeah, that's the only part that I look back and go, man, that's, well, that's we'll, a shame. We'll, yeah, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, just mm-hmm.
0: to quickly mention, I mean, the, the documentary, certainly for myself, um, it's almost like an annual thing. We're actually coming up to that point in the year where I will watch it to really kind of ramp up my... <laughs> Uh, comic-con for the years so, and i can imagine for for a lot of people it's very much that kind of film it just kind of gets everyone g'd up for it because i it, had no uh, idea i mean you've yeah. got michael p who's saying it really catches the spirit of comic-con um katie warrior uh, i own that movie i made all my co watchers wa- uh, watch it uh, so you've got i think it's definitely one of those uh, one of those films uh, Alyssa, do you have any uh, questions
1: um I was just gonna ask what he was doing these days,
3: yeah, that's where I was going uh, myself, so, yeah. yeah, well, uh what I'm working on right now, well, I'll start off with what I wrapped up. I just wrapped up uh, i don't know how many of you guys who are listening and watching are familiar with Telos uh back in the early 2000s, Telos was a was a pretty big hit uh done by um Mike Waringo, uh who is no longer with us. But he had a great, you know, 12 issue miniseries. It's kind of a science fiction fantasy epic about a little boy who goes into a dream world and is the swashbuckling adventurer, uh, with a lot of anthropomorphic characters like, uh, you know, a talking tiger and a panther bounty hunter that's after him. So anyway, it was a, it was a big hit at Image. Um, it was written by Todd Dezago. He's been writing. I think, I think we were at a con and I was with Todd and Stan Lee said to Todd, you've written more issues of The Amazing Spider-Man than I have. Uh, so he's seasoned guy. So he did this with, uh, Mike Moringo. Uh, and after Mike's passing, Telos just stopped. That didn't mean there weren't more stories that they wanted to tell together. I think Todd, who, who took the death, you know, hard, they were really good friends, didn't really want to go back and revisit that world, wasn't ready to revisit that world right away. So, uh, cut to now, he's ready to tell the stories that Mike never got a chance to. So what he did was, is he organized a group of, the comic book uh, industry's greatest talents. And then me, I don't know how I fit into that, but then this guy is on the tail end of that. So we, what we did is we illustrated um, kind of the, I guess it may be the final chapter of Telos um, uh, in Mike's honor. And it's all of the proceeds go to the ASPCA. So nobody's keeping a dime for themselves. It's all because Mike was a lover of animals and we want to honor his memory that way. So the book has tons of people, uh, George Perez, Walt Simonson, Kelly Yates, the, uh, illustrator on Doctor Who comics, um, Joe Stanton, uh, who else? Todd Nock is on it. And then, you know, me. I don't, I don't know how that happened. Uh, so I did some pages on it and it's just this big jam. I mean, it's really great. I think it's like over 500 pages. It's two volumes. It's huge. It's 50 bucks a volume. You can only get it uh, on their website, which is www.michoringotelostribute.com. The first volume I think is already sold out. The second volume, which is the one you want anyway, because that's the one I did, part of what I did, uh, is, uh, the order deadline I think is July the 10th. So you can order it up until July 10th and the book will ship later this year. But it's, it's going to be a huge collector's item because there's only so many, uh, that will be in print. So that's what I, that's what I just finished working on. Uh, what I'm working on currently is my creator own book, which is called Eden. And so I've kind of been teasing Eden for a couple of years. Uh, here and there, uh, kind of just pre releasing it maybe every now and then because I've been looking for a publisher. So I, I've had it f- kind of self published about for a, about a year. Um, but I recently signed a deal with, uh, Alterna Comics who is, uh, doing big things in the newsprint industry right now. Uh, it will be a part of my book will be a part of their 20, 2018 newsprint lineup and nice. kind of available at Barnes and Noble uh, newsstands. They're bringing comics back to newsstands by going back to newsprint like comics used to be. And therefore now now you can get readers who don't go to comic book stores and get them on the newsstand. And the whole model is genius because the books come out on the newsstand in such a staggered fashion that if you get a number one in February, because the books come out every two months in comic shops. So if you get a book in February on the newsstand, issue number one, Number two will be available in March in the comic book store and then the next month on the newsstand. So what it does is get readers to, oh, look, I picked this up at Barnes & Noble. This is awesome. I want to go get issue number two. I don't want to wait another month. All I got to do is go to a comic book store. That brings people back to the brick and mortar comic book stores, pulls them in from a place they they normally wouldn't come from. So Eden is going to be a part of that. And so that that's a fun book. Issue number one has been out for a little while. Uh, the last copies of number one that are under the previous banner, which is Artist Alley Comics, are still available on my website, com. And when those are gone, those are gone because the new publisher kind of has exclusive rights to distribute the book. So, uh, you'll have to wait until 2018 for issues one through four, uh, which is the whole mini series to come out. But, uh, I'm working on the last, the last issue now. It's, it's fantastic science fiction, crazy alien killing fun. It sounds like everything's just
0: evolving. Uh, in, in terms of what you're doing, which is, is fantastic. Sorry, Elisa, how, you know the question?
1: how much, how much are the, the newsprint comics going to be? Because I, that, think,
3: I, I think, I think, they're all a dollar fifty and below. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. They're dirt cheap. Yeah. They're, and I was shocked. They're doing pretty well. I wasn't shocked, but I was surprised that people would clean, like, grass back onto it so mm-hmm. soon because we're so used to that glossy paper that makes comics almost kind of self implode because of the production costs.
1: Exactly. That's what that's what I was wondering about, whether or not the cost have been brought down to the point where a kid could buy a comic without, Absolutely. spending, you know, three and four dollars at, at a time. So, Absolutely. Are Are you going to be going are you going to be at San Diego this year?
3: I have not been back to San Diego since the film. And the, oh, wow. I would love to. I, I really haven't been back. And the only reason I haven't been back is surely the it's it's expensive. It's an expensive thing to do. I haven't been asked back as far as like doing a panel. I've done panels about San Diego Comic-Con at tons of other Comic-Cons. I've been a guest at Baltimore Comic-Con, Heroes Con, uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Like They've had me on. I've done panels here in Oklahoma City at uh, Wizard World about it. But San Diego itself has not necessarily said, hey, come on back and be a part of it. So at the time when I could have probably gone the very next year, like I said, I was in Europe. It's crazy expensive to fly back and forth. I'm sure you know the pain <laughs> of going back and forth and back and forth. And then I want to take my family. And, you know, there's five of us. So it's, it's a pretty substantial thing to do. So I, I have it like on my bucket list, like to go back to San Diego. But when I go back, I don't want to go back as a spectator. I don't want to go back with one issue of something. I want to go back with enough work, enough stuff to show people to say, hey, this is what happened for me coming here. So I'm kind of just waiting for the right time to to go back. But no, I I I don't plan on being there this year unless I get a phone call like tomorrow. <laughs> I'll well, try to it's make a, it happen. too late for 2017 obviously, but uh,
0: I'm copywriting this right now. Uh, I'm going to be submitting for a reunion panel. Oh wow. 2018. Come uh, come on people, let's get this let's get this I will be ahead. there. I will do it. Fantastic. <laughs> um Right, uh, we've got, well, Graham Small was saying, what well, a great artist, um, great guest, is Eric showing his art? So we've uh, answered that question. Um, and we've also got to the, the question about, so what are you currently working on? Where's the best place for people to find stuff uh, for yourself? I mean, do you have a, a website? Have you got some, have you kind of weaponized what you do as an artist? I, I, I have.
3: I'm proud to say that if you Google Eric Henson, I probably, it's probably the first three pages is just me which took a few years and a lot of artwork, but yeah, you can go to my website. That's uh, Eric Henson art.com. You can go there. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, my comic book is on Facebook. Uh, Eden is the name of it. Uh, I'm on Twitter. My comic book is on Twitter. Uh, I'm on. I uh, just still blog. I don't know how many people actually still type and blog. I do it to have it. Sorry. I don't apologize for it, I guess. Uh, and I'll put stuff on there occasionally. Um, but yeah, you can. I, I'm, everything is linked to everything, and I even have a YouTube channel now, which came out like last year. And on it, I do drawing tutorials. So I'll pick a character, or I'll let the audience pick a character, and I'll sit there forty minutes and take it from a, a, a blank piece of paper to a finished sketch. And you know, let people join in that way, and uh even get a chance at getting the art after it's drawn, so they can have it at home. But yeah, they, you can find me anywhere. Just Google Eric Henson if you if you're if you're bored one Saturday. Week. Well, yeah.
0: Andre White's just gone. That's just what I've done. I've Googled you and I've seen great stuff. So yeah, yeah.
3: there
0: we go. Excellent. I'm really surprised that you haven't actually caught up with the other cast
3: members. I mean, do you, yeah. do you message uh, on occasion? Do you I, try to, no, I, yeah? I, is, I've gotten a message from Holly years ago, uh, where she was kind of saying, good job on some of the stuff you're posting. Um, and like I said, I talked to Skip, you know, in person once, uh, or twice, but honestly, no, uh, I'm, I'm kind of bad about that sort of thing. I, I've actually, you know, I kind of used that time to network more with some of the industry professionals who I kind of already looked up to when this all started. And some of those interactions are just so enchanting and so amazing. Uh, I haven't, you know, we haven't had a reunion of sorts. Um, and I think part of that is just the way shooting was, you know, a lot of films you're forced to be in scenes together. We never interacted. So it wasn't like it was something odd, like we broke up and we don't talk. We never actually <laughs> met, really. Uh, so, and I, well, I, I think also maybe it's a case of, um, if you did, you're kind
0: of looking back at what you yeah. were back in 2010 and you, you're definitely, from talking to you, you're someone who is looking to uh, expand and evolve and uh, continue with what you're doing. And I, I find right. that uh, highly, uh, yeah, inspiring.
3: Uh, well, really, I'm glad. Cool. I can go to bed tonight knowing I did something. <laughs> <laughs> I Excellent stuff. Also. Cool. Well, listen, I want to say
0: thank you very much indeed for coming on uh, today. I really hope that uh, more people find out about what you're doing now. So, any way that we can help with spreading that word, um, with just any way that we can help. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you so much indeed for coming on and talking about your time on the documentary. And uh, oh, thank yes. You. It, it, it's inspired me that I will be watching it this week. So <laughs> I uh, might, so I I'm, might
3: watch it too. I'll join you. So there you go. <laughs> so
0: uh, yeah, you, you and I will have to do a live tweet of the the thing at some point. Uh, that would be, awesome. be radical. Excellent stuff. Um, any last comments, uh, Alyssa?
1: I just, I'll be looking for Eden. That sounds like a, a fun yeah. comic, and, and I really am appreciative of trying to lower the cost down to comics so oh, people yeah. can actually, you know, actually buy them and not. You know, being a comic collector and not not c- collect them, you know, just actually buy comics to read, which I'm looking forward to. Awesome. I'm looking Ooh. forward. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you love it. And When the movie comes out,
3: be first in line, buy a ticket.
1: OK, I- I'm looking for trade paperbacks. So that's what I want. When's the It, first will, it will
3: it will come out in the trade also. OK, 20, okay. it should be a 2018 as well. And that will be on the glossy paper, though. I'll be yep. on the more expensive stuff. Where can people find out about
0: Eden? Does it have its own Twitter? Do, do you sell? I know Eden, you want... Eden
3: does have its own Twitter. It's at Eden comics, C O M I X uh, is where you can get on there. I just started the Twitter page. So it's like 30 followers on there. So get on there, pile on there. And I, what I'll do is, you know, once I reach a certain number of followers, if you keep piling it on, tell your friends, I'll start releasing like exclusive peeks into the book. And uh, I might do videos, you know, me showing the artwork uh, ahead of time, but, you no, know, this is kind of what it looks like. It's a science fiction superhero mashup of aliens and, and the main female lead, a strong female lead, not looking to get rescued, but rescuing everybody else. Uh, so if you like, you know, books that and, are- And the woman women, of color, which I, I yes, admire as well. Yeah. Yes indeed. What I, well, if you have the time, I'll tell you real quick. The reason that came about is not because I was like, you know, we need more brown people. I, you know, of course, I feel the sentiment that, yes, we need to represent every group. But what happened is we had two children. Obviously, the film alluded to that, my wife and I. We weren't going to have another. We weren't planning on having another. Uh, so what we did was we said, you know, if we did have another child, what would she be like? So we started to flesh out, well, she'd be strong. She'd be like this, you know. And so we were like, you know what? We're not going to birth her in real life. So let's birth her in a comic. And let's make a comic, let's have our third baby as a comic book character. And we did that. And we made her the lead of this crazy science fiction world where she's trying to find her missing son. Uh, but what's funny about the book is that uh, after the issue one was done, <laughs> uh, we found out that she was pregnant with our third child, a girl. And uh, we gave her the same name as the character in the book. So oh, fantastic. Mariah, So she has a, a character based off of her already. So now my other kids are jealous.
0: I'm, I'm filling up here. This is awesome.
3: <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brilliant stuff. Uh we'll definitely pay it I
0: mean I can't add my uh name to the uh, Eden Comics account because I already am. Uh, I'm already following. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you've got 36 followers now. So, uh, oh, so yeah. any any way we can keep adding to that number. Fantastic. Oh,
1: actually actually 38 because I just joined too.
3: <laughs> oh, awesome. Cool. See I just started it
1: and I, I haven't been promoted that much so
3: I'll add some stuff on there tonight just for you guys joining on that. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Well, let's get it up to Facebook numbers. I think I got like 2000 some people on Facebook. I'm just, cause I started that account much earlier. So now I'm just trying to bring everybody over.
0: Excellent. Listen, Eric, thank you very much indeed for your time. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, yeah, we uh, look forward to seeing you in San Diego again at some point, either on your own panel for Eden, on a reunion panel, whatever we'd love to see or just you. just
3: walking around i'll be there or just see you walking around
0: eric thank you very much indeed man all right thank you y'all have a great day you too thank you excellent stuff uh, so there you go that was um yeah uh eric henson uh do check him out on uh, his social media and his twitters and all that stuff uh loads of lots of people jumping in uh, wow nice great guest um a great cause as well yes absolutely his um the stuff that he, um, was doing for, um, uh, the, the, the charity. That was fantastic. Excellent mm-hmm. stuff.
1: Uh, he, he spoke well. He's, uh, it seems like he's used to being behind an art, a table. So he's able to, to talk and about his, his stuff. And that's, it's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to Eden. And I think it's brilliant to, as I said before, um, just to have a, a news, a newspaper comic back. Back in the mix. That's, that's great. That's really
0: yeah. great. Yeah. So speaking um, of. I'm not too sure. No, I'm not too sure about the, the content, uh, the, the comment here. Andre, uh, sorry, Michael P. You need to, uh, Leonard, you need to host the panel of those people who are in the film. <sighs> you know what? Okay. I'll, I'm going to submit next year. Sod it. Let's, let's, let's let this happen. Okay. Do that's it. cool. Right. So let's talk about um, this week uh, in Comic Con news foremost, let's talk about Wednesday. Uh, This is going to be an incredibly short section. We talked about it before uh, in our intro, but yes, Funko Fundays um, that uh, announced what they were getting up to in terms of um, uh, the the timings for the show. They updated all their details on their blog, and of course, they posted uh, for the tickets. Um, Just to
1: one of the interesting things about fundays is that they've changed it up a little bit this year so that you have, to, there's, there's no holding tables, holding seats for people. All of the people who are at your table need that you want at your table need to arrive at the same time. So apparent that's good. That's, that's a neat thing. I, I like what they're doing. That way there's less uh, shuffling happening. During during the yeah. the actual seeding process, um, I think they're constantly trying to refine it and to make it less um, of a, a a pit fest that it was, you know, <laughs> not a pit fest as it was a couple of years ago, which is is a great thing. One of the things that I was interested in, um, unless you want to, do you have anything to add about Funko Fundays?
0: No, I mean, I think it really was. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping uh, that it is going to be very much like um, you have been describing that uh, the, the last couple of years or certainly two, three years ago, it was very much the Malay. It was very much a kind of uh, very much a, 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 a bit of a, a, a tough room to be in because it was very much chaotic. But I understand it's a little bit more organized this year. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, hoping that, that that's going to be the case.
1: Well, last year was um, organized. I mean, they, they gave out tickets, and you know, every table won something, and they—they seemed like everybody. You know, there—granted, there were raffles, and one of uh, our good friends, Mario Wario, got got the golden ticket and was able to do uh, a tour of the Funko facility um, in when he was at ECCC earlier this spring, which was which was wonderful, um, but. So I don't think it's going to be you're going to see a return to the days of when uh, toys were just thrown like they were in the past. I think it's going to be a lot more controlled and that which is evidenced by them wanting to to put the tables, you know, put having all of the groups of people arrive at the same time. Sure. Chris Hardwick.
0: Uh Well, yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to dial up now. Um, I'm just, no, it's, it's, not, it's not so much uh, the dialing up. It's more the actual. I just want to make sure I get the timing right uh, because, uh, yes, uh, Chris uh, put a Facebook live together uh, on. Uh, this was on Friday evening, uh, UK. Um, it was kind of Friday afternoon uh, for uh, the US. Um, very much. uh Tying into the rest of the news uh, regarding offsites and what you can expect at Comic Con, obviously we've had the blow that Nerd HQ will be uh, joining us, uh, although that has now evolved into uh, sci-fi. Um, we do, however, let me so we've got this video that um, uh, happened. I'm going to try to do a screen share, and I don't think I'll get told off uh, because uh, at the end of the day, it's video. But uh, hopefully we have some audio as well. So this was uh, Chris Hardwick's announcement uh, regarding his uh, participation in um Comic-Con 26, uh, 2017. Oopsie-daisy.
1: No volume.
2: No volume. Oh, you can't hear it. Okay. <laughs> um, we are not doing an artist podcast live at the Balboa, and I'm not doing stand-up at the Balboa. We're breaking tradition this year. Uh, it was, it just started to get to be too much. My days were like 15 hours long. I was moderating like 10, 13, 10 to 13 panels and it, which was fun, but it's also stressful because you don't want to fuck up the panels.
0: Chris, so you're going to have to watch the language
2: Marvel and Star Wars. Uh, and it just, and booking the podcast for, for SDCC, it just, it, I would get chest pains because you, no one know when you're trying to book people, no one really confirms what who's even going to Comic-Con until, like, two weeks before. So, we would announce, like, hey, we're doing a podcast at 10-year Comic-Con, and people's first question is, who's a guest? Who the guest is? And so, we just never knew until the last couple of weeks, and there were a couple of years where I, I was like, oh, we're just fucking not going to have a guest this year, and then it always, at the last minute, worked out, but, uh, yeah, that's very stressful. So, uh, but you can see Mystery Science Theater. I think they're doing
0: Mystery Science Theater at the Babo for a couple, couple shows there. Indeed. So. Well, let's, so uh, uh, let's, um, music. let's, uh, turn that off. And yeah, he's absolutely right. Uh, let's, uh, put it off. So let's just very quickly recap then. It was a stressful thing for him to do. Uh, if anyone, I mean, just to give you an idea, uh, my other half, uh, was running through, um, downtown. Uh, after uh, Hall H, because she was going up to go and see the screening of um, uh, the X-Men film, Uh, at which point she got run into by Chris Hardwick on the way. Uh, She, uh, that was at speed. Um, So there's more a case of, he. there's just so many hours in the day. So you can understand why Chris has decided to dial back uh, on Comic-Con. However, Like he says, um, it's not going to be the only representation of Nerdist at at San Diego this year. You do have um, the uh, Mystery Science uh, Theatre 3K, uh, 3,000. It's going to be taking over Balboa in uh, uh, the Nerdist podcast place. Um, It's going to be, I believe, uh, the Friday and Saturday, uh, which uh, you're looking at, and it's a 9 o'clock showings. Um, It's actually going to be two separate shows, which I find fascinating. Uh, you've got a classic uh, film which um, has already been shown on the show, which was uh, Igar, uh from 1962. That's going to be on the Friday. It's going to be a secret surprise film. Um, as far as I'm aware, I mean, the tickets went on sale on Friday on what the seats are like and how many are left. Has anyone checked in yet?
1: I have not.
0: Say what then let me let me just uh, see what they say because I do have uh, the links on my site and I'm just going to go quickly to the uh, the pages and uh, see uh, what's uh, left. Right well according to the uh, the site to ticketmaster uh, certainly the um so if it's something that you are interested in um I actually turned around and said on the site uh, that um Many people in the UK won't know what Mystery Science Theatre was, because I don't feel it made the transition uh, to uh, the UK. But it did apparently make some late-night screenings. Uh, but uh, obviously in the the States, you've got... Uh, yeah, if you are a Mystery Science Theatre fan, those are up for grabs. And Jonah Ray will be on hand. I have messaged um, Felicia Day and Patton Oswald to find out, because uh, they are not going to be in town. Uh, but the question is whether they're going to be actually... On the show because they appear in the new edition, the Netflix edition of Mystery Science Theater. Uh, I have tried to find out if um, they are going to be actually there or if it's going to be kind of like a video drop-in, you know, kind of like a you know something on the screen as the uh, the people messing around with Jon Ray. So who knows? <laughs> but it looks like it looks like fun. I mean, uh, is it something that tickles you, perhaps?
1: Um. I, I am going to hold off on on doing anything like that. All of the times when I've committed to evening entertainment and spent money on them, um, there's always been something else that I've wanted to do a little bit more that was free. And so I I'm even regretting almost um, having bought a ticket for HopCon.
0: Regardless, but that's <laughs> that's free that's free food and this beer samples. Yeah, no, not bad. I
1: no, they're they're. I'm not saying I'm not interested in going. I'm just saying ah, maybe I would have liked <laughs> to have done something else. Uh, but I am looking forward to the Eisners on Friday, and so I don't want to book anything on Friday. Are you are you not you're not doing Funko Friday this year? I'm not doing Funko Friday this year.
0: Oh man, okay. Well, that was a question that did, did, that was a question that um, uh, came up on the uh, the chat room. Uh, so yeah. Um let's have a look, because we have one or two people who have been turned around and said, uh, Supercatchick, let's go through the, the questions. Does anyone know how the waitlist for fund days works? Is there a refund deadline or will they keep refunding and reselling tickets up to the event? As far as I'm aware, and if it's anything like last year, the waitlist reopens or did the, the emails start going out, I believe, as of tomorrow? They get the weekend out of the way and then they kind of roll out the waitlist. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold off. Don't, count on the wait list that's all, all i can say
1: i also got the feeling with the wait list that it wasn't necessarily about the order on the wait list that it was a little bit more of going through who's interested in going and you know if they know you or recognize you or recognize your handle um you're probably, you've got a better chance that was my yeah. feeling
0: yeah uh, kb warrior i get to go to Fundays for the first time this year Excellent stuff, bravo. Uh, Andre White, I'm gonna get a ticket somehow. Right, if you see a guy wandering around with a shiv, um, back up, give him some room. <laughs> that may be Andre who's up for a ticket, so. Uh, <laughs> uh, the nerd, uh, the Mac Phantom, sorry, uh, so sad about no nerdist panel this year. It did seem, I mean, This has kind of been uh, part of the conversation this week about offsides because of the way that everything's changing. People have felt the sky is falling down. I'm actually okay with it. It's it's new blood. It's something new happening. I'm 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 okay with it. Um, We do have uh, Michael Pease turn around and saying, uh, "Is Nerd HQ being sold to Sci-Fi?" As far as I'm aware, that is not the case. Uh, nerd HQ is still remaining a separate entity. Uh, the, his production partner is involved in. They're both uh, the executive producer of Live from Sci-Fi, so I can imagine Sci-Fi are just going to be doing their damnedest to get some of that nerd cred or the Nerd HQ cred. And of course, you've got um, all of Zach's friends. Uh, so there's. I, I can imagine it's going to be very much a mashup of the two. Um, although. Uh, at the end of the day, the live from Sci-Fi last year was on the roof of the Marriott Marquis, and we all remember how bloody hot it was last year. Uh, it was very, very hot.
1: But this Go year ahead. they're having it three hours later, so it should be. Um, it's airing. It, it should be airing. I think at eight p.m. Um, it's starting at eight p.m. Airing on the East Coast at eleven.
0: So uh, uh, is it? Is it? Li- it is going to be live then? I thought it was pre-recorded.
1: I'm not sure, uh, you know, how how they're going to go about it. Um, but we have heard that it is going to be better than it was last year with shade um, shade seats and, and liquids. You know, we're all kind of the three, the top three things that people needed to stay there. When I have when I saw a little bit of it, I was surprised at how many people were not there. Hmm. So um, they have to actually bring people in. They can't just tape them in bring them in on 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 a screen uh so anyway that's yeah i'm,
0: I'm, I'm guaranteeing that's not going to be good enough for zach levi uh that is i think you're going to get the mashup uh i can imagine that if there are tickets sold that money is going to go to operation smile um you're going to get a similar about similar numbers perhaps so two three hundred people I can imagine it's just going to be a, 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 a mashup of the the two concepts with sci-fi branding all over it, so mm-hmm. yeah well um,
1: it's interesting that both Zach and Chris have have declined to do their normal shows um, and and it seems as though that they're kind of focusing more on the business aspect of it.
0: Marvel in Hall H. <laughs> Instead of running around like a blue-ass fly like he did last year and getting late to his own podcast, he can now take his time and do Marvel in Hall H. <laughs>
1: just
0: saying. Just saying. Um, Corgi Commander, I hope they have the Ducktail Scrooge McDuck money bin swim at Comic-Con. Yes, <laughs> I've seen this thing. This looks like fun. Um, yeah, there is, uh, this is all off the back as well of the D23 announcements that d- took place this week. Uh, a number of shows that are going to be represented at panels, including uh, Descendants 2. Um, you've also got um, DuckTales that are representing. No, David Tennant uh, is confirmed as attending, but uh, people are asking if he's going to be possibly at uh, Comic-Con for uh, possibly the... Uh, uh, Ducktales representing at uh, San Diego. Who knows? Um, well, then again, we've also got Andrew Dickinson who's saying that uh, Lin uh, Min Manuel is also appearing in Ducktales and hoping that he turns up at either D23 or Comic Con. That'd be rather cool. Um that would Super... be a blast. I would love it. That would no, be nice, wouldn't I it? Be love nice. To see him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Super Cat Chick uh, Mystery Science Theater is coming to my city in August, so I opted to see them here instead, so I could keep my nights open until uh, Comic Con. You know what? That makes sense. Um, Andrew Dickinson, there are events on after Mystery Science Theatre at the barbara Yes, there is. It's the uh, Adventure Zone podcast, which is going to be um, live. Uh, what was that, Alyssa? Uh, nothing. Sorry, I thought you, I thought you were not yeah. <laughs> indicating. Yeah, um, the Adventure Zone podcast um, is going to be, uh, as far as I'm aware, the Mystery Science Theatre is on from, um, uh, I want to get this right. Uh, eight while ten. And then at 11 o'clock, you've got the adventure zone podcast, which by the way, has sold out. If it, uh, if it hasn't, there's like maybe one or two tickets left. And I don't think there are. I think that thing's gone. Um, which is odd because I've never bloody heard of it. Uh, so hey, what the hell? Um, but so yeah, that, that's gone, but there is, there are the, the podcast, I believe that's on the Saturday. Uh, Funko is giving away two tickets to fun days, absolutely. Um, but you have to jump through some hoops. Uh, you have to basically message them or on the blog, you have to tweet them about the something extreme that you would do to get these two tickets to fun days. Okay. Um, set yourself on fire by all means. Um, but uh, that seems to be the kind of, level of uh fanaticism that you have to do uh to get these tickets. Um let's have a look. Um Corgi Commander about the changes to the offsite. I like it. It's keeping our veterans, us uh Comic Con veterans on our toes. We're getting complacent with the Comic Con formula. There you go. He he gets it. No, he gets it. He gets it uh Andrew Dickinson is quite right and he's he's very much uh, the uh, nerd HQ uh, fan. Uh, he was actually that was one of the prime reasons why he was going to San Diego this year. Uh he's saying that the mu- Ch- children's museum is still booked. It's blocked out. It was blocked out for nerd HQ. Nerd HQ no longer isn't doing it, so they may still be doing something at the children's museum. It just won't be the panels, who knows. Uh but at the end of the day um Zach Levi said, "There's going to be no Nerd HQ. So what they're doing at the Children's Museum, who knows? Um, uh, and the Nerd Fan- uh, the Mac Phantom. I did Marvel Hall H and Nerdist podcast right after. It was quite indeed the insane rush trying to get from Hall H to Bubble. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Corgi Commander corrected me on uh, the other uh, item that is appearing at D23, which is Tangled Two uh, with Zach Levi and Mandy Moore." Uh, so yeah, both are confirmed as appearing on stage in Anaheim. Um, so there we go, uh, Andre White. I have a great idea. Come on then, or is this for the, or is this the Funko Fundays? Who knows? <laughs> okay. Uh, if anything, uh, if there's any other off-site stuff that you want to talk about, jump in on the uh, chat room, we'll uh, weigh in on that. Uh, we'll move on now, though, to the exclusives. Uh, that have uh, been announced this week. Admittedly, the vast majority of them were announced last week, which we did cover, which were uh, from Diamond Comics. Uh, these were the uh, Batman Beyond, uh, Batman Resin Bust, the Terry Variant, the Harley Quinn Boombox, the Forbidden Planet Robbie the Robot, the two Ghostbusters figures, the Slimer and the Staper figure. Uh, the uh, JLA animated series uh, Flash Resin Bust and the Speed Force Edition Resin Bust, uh, Deadpool and Superior Iron Man. Uh, you also had a, a Funko Pop that was announced, which I think was the big news of that particular bunch, which was the Megazord figure. Uh, but you also had um, Dark Tower monster figure and the Iron Giant variant. Um, but uh, let me just see if I can find uh, – these were the announcements – for this week, uh, these were adding two, um, uh, well they were two, they were two bunch. Let's actually the, uh, dial them up so you can actually see them. Uh, these are figures, uh, f- which are Marvel Legends, uh, which are very, very nice. Uh, these are the, uh, uh, the, there's several. There's Daredevil, uh, first and foremost. Uh, let me just see if I can uh, dial up some uh, details as well, because we do, I do have my uh, the site up and running with the exclusives um, uh, archive at the moment. So I'm just uh, pulling up the directory. But this was the Daredevil Deluxe figure that was announced at the beginning of the week. Uh, fully articulate, uh, including um, interchangeable arms, head, um, um, basically battle damage, uh, which uh, is very, very nice. Including this as well, which is gorgeous, which is the artwork, which has actually been done by uh, Joe Cazada. Also in Braille in the back as well, uh, and it just looks um, very, very nice indeed. Uh, this is uh, coming from uh, Hasbro uh, to join the Black Series Star Wars Admiral Thrawn and also the uh, the Land as well. Um, this was announced, like I said, I believe at the beginning of the week, um, and uh, yeah, it's going to clock in at fifty nine ninety nine uh no word yet on um how many there's going to be available but uh, that is the uh, the piece that is currently available or the, is announced by Hasbro however uh the end of the week we also had announced this which is very pretty uh this is the um five pack mighty thor uh which is uh, available or will be available at San Diego Comic-Con um, this is 99 dollars. Uh, you get five deluxe articulated figures, uh, including Boar, Ulick, Malaketh, Jane Foster Thor, and Odin's son. Uh, so it's very much geared towards the uh, recent run of the Mighty Thor. Uh, individual accessories, as you can see, and a, a foldable presentation box. Which, um, once you take the uh, figures, it, there's the uh, you also get a poem that's on the uh, the back of the box, and it all folds together into that. Which is very impressive. Uh so yeah. Um it's uh very nice. It was announced via uh nerdist.com and um you've got artist uh work there by Tyler Jacobson. And um yeah, uh one hundred dollars worth of uh very, very nice figures. Let's just uh see oh no that's the uh the general form. So there you go, just to go back uh to have a look. Um I think they're gorgeous. I think that's really, really nice.
1: Um, why A lot of people are very interested in that. Yeah,
0: I can understand. I really can. It's uh, very pretty indeed. Mm. Uh, So there you go. Those were the announcements. Obviously, we will keep an eye on further exclusives. Uh, So uh, as always, if you do hear of anything, do either let uh, friends of CCI know or uh, let myself know as well so we can put them in the directory. So there we go. Uh, is that something that t- tickles you? Uh, on the uh, Q&A, uh, we've got ourselves um, but bu- 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 no well no one's jumping in on that. Everyone's actually still talking about um uh, all the offsites and also talking about uh laptops banned not banned on flights announced this week this well. Yay. <laughs> Bonus. Hey listen, that nearly freaked the hell out of me because Oh Yeah. You, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm doing, I'm, do, I'm doing flights on the cheap and the last thing I need is to deal with some very bad entertainment. So yeah. no.
1: <laughs> totally. Another thing that happened this week is we got a drop, unless there's more exclusives to talk about.
0: At the moment, no, I think that's pretty much what we got.
1: Um, we did get a new trailer this week for Star Trek Discovery. I have to bring <laughs> <Yeah>. that up.
0: <laughs> well, we got, we got two, actually. We got, um the US one that was released on Movie Crush and we also got a UK version because it's getting released here in the UK on UK Netflix. Yay! Hey, no illegal downloading
1: of Star Trek for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I was impressed. I have to say I I'm given everything that's happened with the Star Trek Discovery and all of that I was impressed with the trailer. It uh, had a very um, almost almost Star Wars look about it. D- dare I combine Star Trek and Star Wars? Oh no. <laughs> but I I I am gonna give it a shot. And now I don't the problem is is that it's on it's on CBS all access. So but we, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. The question is whether or not we're gonna see that um at the at San Diego. Whether or not right. we'll see the piano for it.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, I do believe that, I, I absolutely believe we're going to get a panel. Um, I also think we're going to get a panel for the Orville. Um, because there were a couple of, pa- there were a couple of, um, trailers that came out this week. Uh, number one was, like you say, Star Trek Discovery. The other one was from, um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, this is the Orville, which is, just looks really, really cool. Um, Galaxy
1: Quest yeah. meets Star, Star Trek. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, as a weekly series. Absolutely. Even the uniforms. Um that, that should be fun. I'm not as sure that that's, people are gonna like that one, but let's, it could. To be honest,
0: I think, I think it will work, as long as they don't, uh, it's Seth MacFarlane at the end of the day, as long as he keeps it more Galaxy Quest than American Dad. As long as he doesn't go too insane and too vulgar. And keeps it really kind of family orientated. I think it would work really well like a galaxy, a, a, like an ongoing galaxy quest. I think that'd be really cool. And not only that, but I'm liking the fact that it's directed by John Favreau. It's, it looks incredible. Um, I'm kind of hoping, because that was the fine line that galaxy quest kind of the tightrope was where it almost became too good in the way, the way it looked. You wanted it to keep very much these act you wanted to keep it with the actors and the the kind of they based it on the the show that they'd seen so you know rickety chairs and all that stuff but no i'm 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 curious to see how that pans out <laughs> the other one as well which i really am desperately hoping that there's a panel for is the new dark crystal series which uh, got announced by jim the jim henson company The trailer very much ties in with Jim's idea originally for The Dark Crystal about his concept for the series, uh, for the film, sorry. Remember, this is a film that got very much derided and died a death in the cinema. It 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 was the strongest passion project for Jim Henson, and it pretty much damn near killed him, uh, the reaction that it got. But it's grown into this thing that people love and adore, including myself. I'm a massive fan of the Brian Froud designs. I'm really, look. I'm desperately hoping that we're going to get something for this series at Comic-Con this year. That would just, that would be the thing to find me at. There you go. That would be the one you can guarantee. That's where I will be. That panel. That, that is the
1: Black Lightning show. The, C, the new show on CW, Black Lightning. <laughs> um,
0: I've seen Luke Cage. Um, I don't need to see it again.
1: Yeah, but that, Luke Cage. That's on Amazon. I mean, that was on yeah, um, Netflix. Sorry, um, this is this is on the CW. Keep in mind, Flash, Supergirl, Arrow. Um, I I happened to binge. I think the last half of uh, the season of Arrow yesterday. <laughs> so I, you know, this is CW here. So it will be interesting to see how they treat Black Lightning. Um, there's a few other shows that are. That we may see at San Diego, the gifted um, who basically have a couple of mutant children and they have to go on uh, on the run from the government. That looked fine. Uh, Reverie, uh, which we don't we don't quite uh, we we haven't seen um, a trailer for it yet. Um, former hostage negotiator is trying to save people who have lost themselves in VR, a VR world. So that kind of thing. Um, there's also the crossing, which is uh, an interesting twist on the um, a post-apocalyptic world, America, uh, where there the, this couple is accepted. It goes and seeks refuge from their war-torn country in this small fishing village. Well, the war-torn country is America. So that you know, just you know, those little, those little kind of twists, which are fun. Um, we'll see how people will do it. There's also deception, um, and the Gospel of Kevin coming out too. All of these things look like they could be really, really good. And it's interesting that we have so many good TV shows coming out. uh, Well, well, that's
0: that's Uh, almost the the back back of the the, 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 echo there.
1: I'm sorry. I got an echo. Oh.
0: Okay. <laughs> I am, I'm getting an echo from somewhere. Um, yeah, the one thing that I think is that's off the back of the offerance, uh, the the upfront, sorry, and mm-hmm. also the massive amount of uh, cancellations we got uh, over the last week and a half. Um, it just means that we've got all this new content coming forward, and at the end of the day, they're going to want to get an audience, and that's where they're going to have to bring it to Comic Con. Mm -hmm. um they have to get this groundswell i mean you had uh with the handmaid's tale um really kind of pushing at conventions you had um yeah yeah you've had all the all the major hits from the last 12 months are off the back of people's groundswell of interest at conventions so yeah I'm, i'm curious
1: um a, a, a lot of these seem like they're prime six BCF material uh, for the first pilot. So if you don't have anything to do, you may want to, you know, and you see this, any of these shows on the schedule, you may want to jump in and, uh, yeah. you know, just take uh, a seat, take a view and, and see what you think of them.
0: Yeah. Uh, Graham Small um, with uh, how shows looked and uh, how we, felt that they had the uh, the impact that uh, we thought that last year with the shows. Eh, good point. Uh <laughs> he's not wrong. Um we've got um Andrew English um uh gifted sounds like heroes. No, I I see where you're coming from with that at the end of the day though it does tie in with the X-Men universe. So it is very much it is an X-Men story. So we've got a little bit more about that. Um not nerdy, this is Angela Copley. Not nerdy, but I'm looking forward to Life Sentence, uh, mainly because of Bill Lawrence, uh, who's behind Scrubs. Okay, we'll keep our eyes open for that. At the end of the day, it is uh, a pop culture show now, so it's not just a strictly nerdy stuff. Uh, so, no, that's a, a show that may uh, represent at Comic Con. I think a lot of people are really paying attention to Netflix and seeing what they do in terms of whether they're going to be bringing in anything I guarantee if they did bring anything to Comic-Con, they'd be getting a downside better reception than they're getting in France right now. Because, oh, my word. Um, yes. Um, Netflix are uh, on a PR mission, I guarantee at this point. But then again, having a uh, presentation where they have Adam Sandler show up. <laughs> Talk about shooting yourself in the foot. Good grief. Okay. So there we go. Okay, um, I think that's pretty much everything in terms of the news. Um, we've got Andrew English who's turning around saying uh, there are some 7-inch DC Comics bombshells at uh, the Golden Goddess series. We will have a look into that, and I will post something on the site as soon as I find it. Thank you very much indeed for uh, spreading the word. Once again, if you know of uh, any exclusives, any offsites, if you see anything, let me know, and we'll make sure that we uh, spread the word the best we can. And, of course, uh, we'll do our best to... Uh, Uh, spread the word with the unofficial blog with their show on a Wednesday night as well uh anything that you want to talk about in terms of week of television um yes
1: yes we have uh we continue with finals um for the first thing of course (laughs) the first thing though is that uh 12 monkeys sci-fi channel is doing an interesting thing with 12 monkeys i mentioned it last week um Tonight, we're in the middle of it. Tonight is the last three episodes of season three. Um, the first four episodes, in my opinion, were brilliant. And I also think that uh, presenting it this way allows people to really get into it. Um, so that's 12 Monkeys is ending tonight. We've also this week. We also see the last of Into the Badlands, Madam Secretary Elementary, uh supergirl the Flash Empire bull, Arrow, the One Hundred, and Archer so shows all of the regular shows of um, twenty two episodes are winding up for the next the uh, for the summer shows that are coming out. American Ninja Warrior is happening uh <laughs> which uh is going to have star. Competitors. Have you, <laughs> as Leonard is doing, doing funny things on the other end. Um, Stephen Armel is going to be one of their competitors. So I'm going to watch is, it. Is
0: that it? Is he a, is he a competitor or is he actually a host? Yes.
1: Um, I thought it was a competitor.
0: Oh my word. I mean, <laughs> admittedly, I've seen some of the behind the scenes stuff he does for the flash, uh, for Arrow, sorry. Yeah. And yeah, the He's man's, got... the man's got guns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay I'm 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 curious that would be a interesting episode of that show to watch.
1: <laughs> I enjoy American Ninja Warrior because it brings the superhero out in all of us. Um so I I'm looking forward to seeing it and plus seeing the, the uh start the celebrity edition would be absolutely fun because I I got to admit sometimes it's nice to see these people just kind of fall into a pit of water. <laughs> So I'm looking yeah. forward to that one. Yeah. Um, the and other-
0: Andrew, uh, very quickly, Andrew Dickinson saying the promo is online and it's for Red Nose Days. So it's, it is a celebrity edition, or at least his uh, appearance is for Red Nose Days. That's uh, pretty damn cool.
1: Yeah, it, it looks cool. like it, it's going to be fun. I've set my DVR up for it, my TiVo up for it. The other thing that's happening, and I've seen a couple of promos for uh, Netflix's Brad Pitt movie um, called War Machine.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm not actually, no, the, I'm not up for this show because of Brad Pitt. I'm up for it for the actual surrounding cast. The cast is incredible for this thing. No, I'm, I'm up for this show. I'm up for this.
1: Yeah, it looks, it looks good. I love the, uh, uh you know the the good the <laughs> you know the the character of Brad Pitt you know just blustering through everything and GI Joe and, and all of that being able to fix anything with with uh the question is whether or not his hubris gets to him. <laughs> anyway, um the next thing and the last thing this week um save the best for last is Twin Peaks. We get to see the return of Twin Peaks. On Showtime. Um, I think this is happening. I believe it's tonight, actually. It is it's, indeed. Got make, yeah. uh,
0: crazy Crazy Catchick is turning around and saying she is she super catchick. Sorry, is, uh, she is freaking out about this. She is very much up for this thing. I,
1: I wish it wasn't. It was on a channel that I actually subscribed to, so I, <laughs> I know nothing about it. I haven't seen it. Uh, David Lynch, uh, eighteen part limited event. Uh, series. Well no, is it, is it coming years out lady.
0: Is it, is it coming out weekly? Is it a weekly
1: series? I believe so. It's a two hour series premiere tonight, um, with eighteen parts. So I I'm not sure how far, you know, if i will take a break in the middle um for for certain seasons or, you know, for certain epi- events happening. Um but it it certainly looks as though it's like it's gonna be an eighteen 18-month, 18-episode series. So
0: Yeah. Um, Angela Copley, there was a Twin Peaks activation at South by Southwest, maybe one at Comic-Con. It's it's possible, but I can imagine by that point it will either have stuck the landing or be moving on. Uh, If you aren't watching it by July, then I don't see how it would be in their best interest to then advertise it at Comic-Con. I think it may be a bit late on that one. Um... Graham Small um, is talking about uh da, 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 Handmaid's Tale. Uh, very uncomfortable watch, but riveting. Uh, he's also asking, oh, we've got Corgi Commander who's asking, um, how is everybody liking American Gods? Um, Graham Small, I gave up on American Gods after episode two. I've yet to watch episode two. I'm going to be, that's kind of my uh, job for myself t- uh, tomorrow. I'm going to do a bit of a catch-up because, the like I say, the first episode I found a tad too dense, Um it was being too clever for its own good. Uh, so I, I do want to, I want to watch it again, but then again, like you can say that a lot about a lot of Meal Game and stuff, <laughs> frankly. Uh, so uh, no, I'm, I'm curious.
1: Uh, Absolutely. But, yeah. That, I mean, American Gods is one of those shows that I will watch uh, just like I, I will watch uh, uh, all of, you know, all of the other shows that are out there at this point that, you know, that, twin peaks for example that are on on networks i can't get to at this point. So i'm sure that a lot of people are in my situation and in those kinds of situations and will eventually get to it. That's why i kind of disagree with you Leonard that there may very well be something on twin peaks at San Diego. Um, Fair enough. you know it is david lynch and it is um and it this is the the binging culture. That we're in. So people can certainly go back and watch the first, uh, you know, nine, six, nine episodes of Twin Peaks. And it's not as though we don't know about it. You know, we don't know the (laughs) premise for what Twin Peaks is about. Because, well, most of us have lived through it. So. But, uh, looking for... Speaking for myself. That's all. <laughs> that's all. Um, so American Ninja Warrior, War Machine and Twin Peaks are the highlights for this week. Um, and looking forward to seeing what upfront shows are actually going to be at San Diego and will be good next year. So those cool. That's the takeaway from Week in Television.
0: Excellent stuff.
1: So there we go. Uh, thank you very much indeed for
0: joining us this week. Uh, it's a slightly extended episode, but we did have a lot to talk about. And as we get close to Comic-Con, I can imagine that is going to be uh, the kind of the norm, especially when we do have two – well, actually, we've got technically three guests on next week. Uh, we've got ourselves – first and foremost, we've got ourselves a representative of Travelling Stories who's going to be joining us. Uh, Travelling Stories, if you are following San Diego Comic-Con, you will have seen on every feed going – Purely because they are running a sweepstake, uh, for Comic-Con this year, where you can win yourself, uh, I believe it's internal flights in the US to Comic-Con, tickets to Comic-Con, uh, well, badges to Comic-Con, uh, you've got, um, tickets to, uh, the fan party for Winona, uh, Wyatt, yeah, Winona Earp, uh, you've got a uh, meet and greet with Kevin Eastman. It's a hell of a prize, but it's all in support of a fantastic, um, effort. Uh, to introduce literacy in, for children, which I, I thoroughly support. We're looking forward to speaking to her uh, about um, the efforts of Travelling Stories. And then we're going to be joined by the manic minds behind uh, Game of Thrones, the musical, uh, who are going to be uh, performing at San Diego Comic-Con this year, or certainly in one of the off-sites. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun show. I think we've got uh, some great guests. Do join us uh, from so uh, uh, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. GMT next week. So where can people find you online, Alyssa?
1: At Friends of CCI is my Twitter and friends friendsofcc.com.
0: Excellent stuff. You can find me on all sorts of platforms at EnglishmanSDCC, or you can go to an Englishman in San Diego or... A-E-I-S-D dot com is a nice little shorthand, which will get you there as well, uh, which I've uh, signed myself up for. Um, Also, you can find me on Patreon dot com as well. Starting tomorrow, we've got uh, some live exclusive content that will be going up on the Patreon for Patreon supporters. So please head to Patreon dot com slash Englishman SDCC. And that's us for this week. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. hope you've enjoyed it. Um, do join in with the unofficial blog with their show on Wednesday, and hopefully you'll come and join us as well for next Sunday, another Talking Comic Con, a cup of tea with Englishman in San Diego. Do take care. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.
2: And from all of us, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.